Good morning. Happy Easter. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope. We are so glad that you are here today as we celebrate our risen Lord. A special welcome to family, to guests, to those who are with us today. We're glad that you're here today. The great conundrum of Good Friday is that if you came expecting to find the living God, you found instead that he had died. And the great surprise of Easter is that if you came expecting that God was dead, you will find the exact opposite this morning because he is risen. He is risen indeed, alleluia. I was getting my hair cut the other day and I sat down in the chair And Maddie, who cuts my hair, said to me, I bet you're here to get a haircut for Easter. And I said, yes, I am. It's kind of a big deal. And she responded, correcting me. She said, no, it's the biggest deal. Well put. Well said. Today is the biggest deal for you and for me and for the world, and I hope that you know that. I hope that you feel it. There's something in the air today. There's a joy. There's a lift for our spirits, and it's not just the fact that that grandma's making her cheesy potatoes today. It's not the fact that, that, that the snow is finally melting. It's not just the fact that the glaze for your ham might turn out this year. It's not the fact that, that we're wearing fun dresses and fancy ties. not just the fact that you're with family. There's something in the air, and I wish that, that we could bottle it up that we could bottle up that, that Easter feeling, the feeling of today, the biggest day. I wish we could grab it and put it in our pockets and save it for all of the other mornings, all of the other days. And I think maybe we can. And maybe that's what we're supposed to do, to grab on, to hang on, to hold on to Easter and the risen Jesus, not just today, but every day. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the promise that this world isn't all there is, that this life isn't all there is, that we are bound to you in resurrection life. Help, help us to put our faith this morning in you, the risen one, our Savior and Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Last summer, a, a woman named Michelle told a, a Winnipeg newspaper about her fine china, porcelain china, over 200 years old, plates, cups, saucers. They'd been in her family for generations. Maybe you have some or your grandma did. Her first memories were of the china that her grandma had. And what she remembers is that it was always at the center of the memories of the joyful times that they shared as a family on high holy days like Christmas and Easter. Her grandma ordained the table with those special plates and they would gather around the table as a family and they would eat and they would celebrate. But Michelle remembered something else, something special about her grandma and about those plates, white with the gold edge and the pink flowers. Uh, She remembers that it wasn't just the holidays 
where the fine china would come out of the cupboard. Every time they gathered as a family, whether it was for Easter dinner, whether it was after church or or any other day of the week, those plates and cups and saucers, the special ones, the precious ones, the most valuable ones, this gift that had passed from generation to generation was there on the tables and those plates and saucers and cups, they spark memories for Michelle. They bring in to focus the ordinary moments that her family shared, the normal things like having a conversation and laughs over the table after the meal had finished. Things like clearing those plates into the kitchen and sitting back down to playing cards. Uh, The kids begging that they could go outside after lunch to go swimming. That fine china was always there and it seemed like by using it all the time for every occasion their grandma was saying something. She was teaching them something that even the ordinary and the everyday was special and sacred. Now Michelle got those plates after her grandma had died. A wonderful gift. And you know what she did with them? She put them in a box in her basement. And they're sitting there right now because she's too afraid to use them. She's worried about chips and cracks and drops and spills. Now, we've all done that. We've forgotten to use the gift or we've saved it for another day. And I wonder if we don't do the same thing, the same thing with today, purposefully or not with today the biggest day. I wonder if we, even the most faithful among us, keep the promise of Easter, of a risen savior, of a God who conquered sin and death in a box in the basement collecting dust so that every so often we can go down there and bring it up and open it up and feel that feeling, the deep joy, the wonder, only to put it back. Maybe we think it's safer that way. That way we won't use it up. Uh, Or maybe we forget that it's there, maybe we don't realize the depth of the promise that it's not just for today, for Easter morning, but it's for every day. The other day, my nephew, Henry, who's three, he woke up at five in the morning or something incomprehensible like that, and he came downstairs, and, and his, his mom, my sister, was sitting there with their little baby, and, and, and he walked, Henry walked into the, the room out of the dark and into the light, and, and she saw that he was holding in his hands his beginner's children's Bible. And my sister said he had this confused look on his face. He was troubled about something, and then he said, Mommy, I can't find God In the early hours of the morning in Jerusalem, 2,000 years ago, none of the followers of Jesus shared Henry's worry. They knew exactly where God was. 
They knew exactly where God was. Over the last years, they'd seen Jesus perform miracles and healings. They'd heard him tell stories about the kingdom of God. They'd watched the week before as he'd ridden into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, and they had yelled and screamed with joy, with hope, because Jesus was the one that God had promised. He was the Messiah. He was the presence of God in this world. They had welcomed him. They'd laid their clothes on the ground. They'd cut palm branches, and they'd cried out, Hosanna, save us. Some of them had been with Jesus in the upper room of a house uh, where he had eaten the Passover meal with them, where he had told them that, that he would suffer and he would die, that his body and his blood would bring a new covenant, a new promise from God, and a new life for them. Uh, some of the disciples had been with him at the Mount of Olives that same night when he had prayed, and they had seen something different in his eyes there was a change, a hurt, a sorrow because he knew what was coming. Many of them had been there when he was arrested, when he was dragged across the city to the house of the high priest at the time whose scripture and the great historian Josephus tell us was named Caiaphas. They saw when their teacher, their God, was arrested when they had blindfolded him and spit on him, when the soldiers had mocked him and hit him, uh, when they had pressed a crown of thorns onto his head after he had stood before the chief priests, the elders, the teachers of the law, the ones who wanted order, the ones who wanted to keep their power and their influence. Jesus stood then before Pilate, the Roman governor who had been sent to keep order, to press down any rebellion from the Jews. Uh, the crowd had yelled at that moment, crucify him, crucify him. And they did. It was what the Romans did. They did it without thought, without mercy, to preserve their kind of peace. Jesus was nothing to them, and he got what everybody else who got in their way got. Nails through his wrists and his feet. And he hung there bleeding and gasping for air until he breathed his last breath after he had died a man named Joseph from a place called Arimathea had gone and asked, can I have his body? Normally it would have just hung up there. And Joseph asked, could I have his body? And he took the body down and wrapped it and they laid it in a cave and they rolled this big stone in front of it. It became a tomb. The people that loved Jesus, the people who had followed him, they knew exactly where their God was that Easter morning. He was dead and buried. And for them, all of the promises that he had made, all of his words, all of the hope that they had placed in him for a different life was buried with him. They hadn't listened. They hadn't listened close enough or maybe it was too much for their minds, too much from, uh, for their hearts to handle, but he had told them that it would be like this and it was, it was just as Jesus had promised. Uh, so some women go that morning, they go to the tomb early that morning to put spices on the body of their Lord and their God out of respect. They knew that he would be there. They had watched as he had died, but he wasn't there. Instead, there were two men dazzling in white. And they say these words, he's not here. 
He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you? Remember that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. That is the moment. That is the moment where all of history pivots, where all of life uh, turns, when God did the unimaginable, the unthinkable, where God did what seemed to be impossible. He raised Jesus from the dead, and all that was left of death was an empty tomb. That event, that moment in history, it changed the world forever. There is no event, no moment, no person that has changed the world and shaped the world like Jesus. Think of it this way, every single day, Every single day is marked by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Every time you write the date, when you make out a check or when you sign the the closing documents on your home, when you put something on your calendar, the year, that moment is fixed around the life of Jesus. All of history has pointed to the empty tomb and all of time and all of life flows out of that tomb. That moment in time is the fulfillment of the promises of God that he will never abandon this world to sin and death, but in Jesus, in his life, in his death, death and in his resurrection, God joins heaven and earth together. The empty tomb. It says that that promise is unleashed in the world. It's a promise of of resurrection, a promise that all who put their faith in that moment in the life of Jesus and the God who raised him from death will have life in his name. And it's real. It's true. We've seen it. We've seen the power that it has in this world. I remember standing a few years ago at a graveside doing a burial service. And after the service, there was, there was a silence, the kind of silence that, that only grief can bring. As this family saw the finality of the moments that were in front of them, We were in a circle around the grave. And we stood there and I noticed at one point, two of the family's members nodded to one another. And then they started to sing. Then sings my soul, my savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Singing in the face of grief, and death. That's Easter hope. The promise that on the last day you will be raised to an eternal life with Jesus, but it's almost also a promise for this day, this moment in your life, the, the eternal life that you have in Jesus. It begins now, today, here, this morning, in this moment. And yes, it is a promise, a resurrection promise for the pews on Easter Sunday, but also for the checkout lines at the grocery store when inflation is on your mind. It's a promise for for waiting rooms in the doctor's office when life falls out from underneath you. It's for the early mornings when you wake up and you're worried about the day ahead of you. You're worried 
worried about the future for your children. It's for uh, days where lives are racked by grief and guilt. It's for a misguided world where families break apart and where nations go to war. It's for a world where sin and death seem to reign over each and every day. It's for all of life. For all of life, the resurrection of Jesus says there is an Easter hope for you. That for the piercing thorns of sin in your life, there is a crown of thorns that was worn by a king who would give everything. That for the broken things in your life, there was a body that was broken for you. That for the dead things in your life, there is a son who died so that you might have life. That for the empty things in your life, there is an empty tomb and a victory over the grave. That for the lowest moments of your life, for the lowest places, the depths of hurt and sin, there is a risen Savior. And his promise to you and to me is that we too will be raised from death. You will be raised to a new life. And it starts right now. That is the central truth of your life. That is the center of your existence. And it's not a promise for collecting dust in the basement. It's one for today, for Easter Sunday, yes, but it's also for tomorrow and for all the days that come after that. My grandma didn't give me her fine china. She had some, I remember it. She didn't give it to me which is good because I didn't want it. But she gave me and my siblings and my cousins something much better. After she had died, my Aunt Joanna discovered that my grandma had started a project for each of her grandchildren. She had printed a, a copy of a picture that had hung in her childhood home on the farm in Benson, Minnesota when she was growing up. And the picture was, was of Jesus and the Beatitudes, which are the sayings of Jesus, sayings like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. These truths that, that we need to hold on to in this life. And she was preparing to, to frame those pictures and give one to each of us to hang somewhere in our homes, somewhere that we would see it every day. My aunt Joanna finished what my grandma had started and we each got a gift from my grandma after she had died. A reminder that the life of Jesus and his word should sit at the center of our lives. I took this off my wall for today. I think my grandma wanted us to know that in the everyday stuff of life, that in the joys and in the sorrows, there was a hope to hold on to. Not a wispy, dusty little hope that says, well, tomorrow might be better than today. But a firm, honest, life-changing hope in Jesus who lives and rules and reigns over this world forever. She wanted us to know that. This morning, I want you to know it too. After Jesus had risen, the early church started greeting one another in a very simple, new way. They wouldn't say, hello, how are you? They wouldn't do the face that we do here in the Midwest. 
When they would bump into one another, one would say, Christos Anesti. And the other would say, Alethos Anesti, which just means in their everyday language, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And what that meant was that every interaction, all the everyday moments of life, had the risen Jesus right there in the center. We can't bottle that Easter feeling up today. We can't bottle up the joy and the hope, and we don't have to, because all we have to do is believe it, hold it in our hearts, keep it in front of us, keep it in us, whether it's a picture that you hang on your wall to remind you that he has risen, whether it's the Bible on your nightstand open so that you can let that story of God be a part of the everyday moments of your life, whether it's a a sticky note on your mirror that reminds you that today is Easter every day, or maybe it's the promise on your lips, the promise that today, that every day that we rise until the last day when we rise with him, we live in the truth that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.